Hello and welcome to the night sky for February. My name is Melissa Holbert and I'm an astronomy educator at Sydney Observatory. Before we start our night sky tour, make sure you download the February sky map from our website at www.sydneyobservatory.com.au forward slash blog. Or grab your copy of the 2010 Australian Sky Guide book, which can be ordered from the website or bought at our Sydney Observatory or Powerhouse Museum shops. There is a lot of astronomical information in this book, as well as the monthly star maps. Armed with your sky map and a small torch with some red cellophane covering it, find a nice dark place away from the glare of the street lights and make sure you know your cardinal directions. That's north, south, east and west. Remember that the sun rises in the east, moves through the northern sky during the day and sets in the west, or a small compass will also point you in the right direction. Pick a comfortable spot, either on a rug or a deck chair that you can lay back in. Wait about 5 to 10 minutes and allow your eyes to adapt to the darkness. Now let's turn towards the north. High in the northern sky is the familiar constellation of Orion the Hunter. In Greek mythology, Orion was a hunter of great skill and boasted that he could kill all living animals. Gaia, the earth goddess, was alarmed by his statement and fearing for all the animals on earth, she sent a scorpion to kill him. Orion was stung on the shoulder but was later revived and placed in the stars along with the scorpion. This entire myth is played out in the stars each year. As Scorpius the scorpion rises in the east, Orion sets in the west defeated. When Scorpius sets in the west, the healer Ephucus crushes the scorpion into the earth and revives Orion so he can rise in the east again. Orion appears in many cultures. Even the ancient Egyptians saw Orion as Osiris, god of the underworld and of regeneration. If you're having difficulty picking out the hunter, then look for the saucepan. This is a familiar group of stars for those of us in the southern hemisphere and is Orion's belt and sword. Orion is upside down for us. Below the saucepan you should see the red supergiant star Betelgeuse. Remember the scorpion's sting? Betelgeuse has a distinct reddish tinge to our eye and is the shoulder or armpit of Orion. Above the saucepan and diagonally opposite Betelgeuse is a brilliant white star Rigel, one of Orion's knees. Rigel is a blue-white supergiant star which is about 60,000 times more luminous than our own sun. Rigel also has a small companion star, which is best seen through a telescope, though if seeing conditions are not the best, small telescopes will struggle to see the companion through the glare of Rigel. Let's return to the belt of Orion and follow its line to the west, where we come to the back of a sideways V. This V is the head of Taurus, the bull, who appears to be charging at Orion. Taurus, like Orion, is also steeped in Greek mythology and represents the bull Zeus changed into to carry Princess Europa off to Crete. Back to the V, which is part of a large open star cluster visible in binoculars called the Hyades. One of Taurus's eyes is an orange giant star called Aldebaran, which means the follower, and it too has a distinct orange tinge when viewed with the unaided eye. It follows the Pallades, a wonderful open star cluster that can be seen with your eyes to the northwest of the V. The Pleiades are known as the Seven Sisters, as seven stars are readily seen with your eyes, but away from city lights up to 13 can be seen with the unaided eye. 
The whole cluster contains about 100 stars and binoculars are the best way to view this marvellous object. Make your way back to Orion's belt and this time follow the line of the belt in the opposite direction towards the east. Here we come straight to a very bright white star. This star is called Sirius and is the brightest star in either southern or northern hemispheres. It is bright because it is close to us, only 8.7 light years away, or about 87 million million kilometres from us, and that's considered close. Sirius features strongly in mythology. To the Greeks, it was the canine companion of Orion, but could also be Hermes, the guide to the dead. To the ancient Egyptians, Sirius originally represented Anubis, who invented embalming and funeral rites, and guided you through the underworld to your judgment, and helped weigh your heart to determine your fate in the afterlife. Later, Sirius represented the goddess Isis, and the Egyptians initially based their calendar on Sirius's yearly motion around the sky. Sirius is the brightest star in the constellation of Canis Major, or the Great Dog, and perhaps is best known to our younger listeners as a character in the Harry Potter books, who is able to change into a large dog. Let's do an about-face and turn to look at the southern sky. High in the south is a bright star, in fact the second brightest star in our sky, Canopus. Canopus is a white supergiant star and is 313 light years away. Canopus was the helmsman of the Greek king Menelaus and rather appropriately is now used by spacecraft as a navigational guide. Canopus is the brightest star in the constellation Carina, which represents the keel of a boat. Originally it was part of the large constellation Argo Narvis, which was the ship of the Argonauts, which Jason and the Argonauts used in their quest for the Golden Fleece. So nearby you will see Velo the Sails and Puppus the Poop. In 1793, Argo Narvis was divided into the three constellations we see today. If you are away from city lights, you might make out two cloud-like shapes in the southern sky. A large one almost straight overhead in the southern sky, and a small one a little lower and to the west. These are the clouds of Magellan, but they are not clouds. They are companion galaxies to our own Milky Way. They are gravitationally attached to our galaxy and we now know there is physical interaction between these galaxies and our own. So what else can we look forward to seeing in the sky in February 2010? This month we lose Jupiter from our evening skies, however the planets still have plenty to offer in the evening sky. Mars is visible early in the evening after sunset in the northeastern sky. Mars appears as a reddish-orange coloured star in the constellation of Cancer. It is very close to the large open cluster M44, commonly referred to as the Beehive Cluster. The cluster is easily visible to the unaided eye in dark skies. In fact, as a whole, the cluster is brighter than all the stars that make up the entire constellation of Cancer. On the 25th and 26th, the waxing gibbous moon is close to Mars. From mid-month, Venus makes a return to our evening skies just after sunset. It is low on the horizon in the early evening twilight, but in the coming months it will become higher in the western sky. Venus remains the evening star until late October, when it again becomes too close to the sun for us to see. It will make a return to our morning sky in November. Saturn starts the month rising in the eastern sky about 10.30pm. 
However, by the end of the month, it rises at about 8.40pm. On the 2nd and 3rd, the waning gibbous moon is close to Saturn. February also has something in store for all of you early birds. In the eastern pre-dawn sky, Mercury begins the month in the constellation Sagittarius before moving into Capricornus and finishing the month in Aquarius. For those of you with telescopes, on the 10th, Mercury is very close to the compact globular cluster M75. On the 12th, the thin waning crescent of the 27-day-old moon will be just above Mercury in the pre-dawn sky. Over February, Mercury starts to move closer to the horizon and this month provides the last opportunity for good views of Mercury until late July. And combined with the crescent moon on the 12th, it is well worth getting out of bed for. February this year is also unusual as no full moon occurs during the calendar month. This only occurs once every 30 years. Both January and March this year have two full moons in the calendar months and the second full moon is known as a blue moon. However, this is just a name given to the second full moon and the moon itself does not turn blue on these nights. A blue moon occurs once every two and a half years, but this year we have two blue moons, a phenomenon that will not occur for another 19 years. Whether gazing at the moon or into the vast depths of space, one quote from Albert Einstein always comes to mind. The most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious. It is the source of all true art and science. As you gaze up into the sky this February, enjoy the mysterious and see you next month under the stars. This has been Melissa Holbert from Sydney Observatory with the February Sky Guide podcast.